Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. This is uh, uh, Cincinnati's longest running craft beer podcast. Uh, nine years in running, we uh, we venture around the city to all of the breweries, uh, sometimes the bars, sometimes bottle shops. Sometimes we just hang out in people's backyards and drink beer while it's raining on us. We do whatever we need to do to talk about Cincinnati's craft beer community. And we talk to uh, uh, the owners, the brewers, the drinkers of Cincinnati's craft beer to illustrate this thing for you and to get you kind of behind the scenes into what is going on in this city because uh, Cincinnati's freaking awesome. And I sometimes I force myself to take trips out of the city to go to other beer cities just to... Uh, get a better perspective on how great we actually do have it here in Cincinnati. Uh, today's guest, no stranger to this show. If you guys are uh, longtime listeners to this show, uh, or even fairly recent listeners to this show, you know him, Andy Reynolds from Alexandria Brewing Company, the still the reigning champ of uh, podcast appearances. Really? I think so. Huh. I don't have an easy way to check that anymore. My notes are just a complete uh, mess right now. I thought Evan probably would have overtaken it's, me. But. He, he hasn't been on in a while, though. Really? He's, he's much more sparse now. He's got lots of... Responsibilities. Lots of moving pieces going yeah. on over there at, the, uh, <laughs> at Braxton and all of the stuff that they've, uh, they've got going on. That's, a, uh, that's a, a machine at this point over there. It's a big, big thing going on. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're doing okay. <laughs> uh, how are you man welcome ar- back to the show thank you thanks uh, for having me yeah well, of course uh uh it's always a pleasure to have you always a pleasure to give myself an excuse to uh quote unquote have to come down to alexandria to drink a few beers uh uh my wife this morning as we were parting ways as we were rushing past each other trying to uh, fight for the coffee maker and all of that stuff she said, are you, uh, are you home late tonight? And I said, uh, I'm like, I don't know. Like, not that. It's not late right now. I'm like, but uh, I have like, a, like an afternoon episode. She's like, oh, where's it at? And I said, it's Alexandria. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm taking her out to dinner tomorrow. Uh, all right. Uh, I need to drink a beer because, uh, and I'm going to do this completely ass backwards right now. Okay. We, you, you, you very graciously put together this nice flight for me of some things we wanted to talk about. And I'm assuming you put them in order that you think I should drink them. And I'm going to start at the yeah, end. Right? You do you, Bill. <laughs> uh, you guys did a thing down here that is uh, not what you're supposed to do. So you guys, well, just, just to go back a little bit, you put on a slow pour handle. Yeah. yeah. Which... Um, but let's let's while I while I get into this for a second, explain to people what a slow pour handle is. Uh, it's the traditional way to to pour beer over in, in Europe, specifically uh, Czech region and uh, in Germany. Um, but you you pour it, and as you open it up slowly, you foam a lot, right? So the traditional way to pour a pilsner was let it fill with foam, let it settle down, let it fill with foam, let it settle down, and keep doing that. And what you wind up with is you wind up with like a big, I, I think it really brings out the hops more than anything else. I mean, but it, but it brings out like the I think floralness it out, of beer. I think it brings out everything in the yeah, beer better. Like yeah. it, it tames down the carbonation a lot. And uh, kind it, of, it, you're exhausting all the carbonation is what you're doing. You're letting it slowly die out. Then you're putting it back in and letting it slowly die out. And that's forcing all the aroma up into that, that foam instead of. Right, you know, it, instead of just instead in of being beer. trapped inside the beer, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. that that's something that people don't realize when they're drinking craft beer. It's one of the biggest reasons that we always tell people to put your beer in a glass, 
especially when you're drinking out of a can or a bottle, pour it into a glass because you've got to get all that stuff out of the beer. Right. Uh, anybody that uh, has ever had one of those bad nights at a bar and you get home and you just feel really bloated and crappy from drinking draft beer all night you know so many people oh draft beer just makes me feel it's because they're they're, they're they're like really you know being very careful to pour this beer and not get any head on the beer and like yeah. all that stuff is still trapped inside there and it kind of uh, it doesn't it's not always fun no <laughs> it's supposed to come out yeah <laughs> yeah and, and you know unfortunately we're kind of in an area where people expect us to sure. not put much head on had much head on the beer at all and we're trying to open that idea up and that's kind of where the slow pour idea right. helps out with at least around here it does so the last time i was down here you had your pilsner on tap on your slow pour handle i don't which think was we awesome. hit it on i don't think we had the slow pour pilsner i think you were here the last time we the first time we put that on that was the second round okay well the last time that i was here yeah yeah that's true that's <laughs> it true. was it was a, a pilsner which is almost always what i see people put on their slow pour handle because that's that was where it came from traditionally yeah. i have seen 50 west play around with other loggers and uh but it's always a logger i've uh, this is the first time that I've seen somebody uh, do things a little different, and you put a New England IPA <laughs> on your slow pour handle. Why not? Uh, I think it's I think it's cool. I I took a couple drinks of this one. I need to get in. I have both the slow pour version and the regular version. And uh, okay, this is called Eternal Fury: <clears throat> The Wrath <clears throat> Within. Sports. Oh, you go I ahead. Was gonna, go I ahead. was gonna. I got my notes here. Look, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this is Eternal Fury: The Wrath Within, scorched by the fire that sent me. Yes. Uh, what in the world is? I'm assuming this is some kind of heavy metal reference. It is. It is. It's um. It's uh. After the burial is is the name of the band. Um, behold the flame or behold the crown. That's the name of the song. Um, but I got I love burial brewing. Like sure, you know they they've become a, a favorite of mine. And and you know three Floyds is always like my outside of here. I should say is always my my go to. And right. I was kind of excited. First time I had burial, just just how cool their names are, how metal their how metal their branding is, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, well, let's kind of pay tribute to them and also pay tribute to this this band I've been listening to a lot. So there we go. How do so? This is going down a different little rabbit hole here at the beginning, but like. It, it, it's one thing to try to win people over and explain to them uh, the idea of ordering a slow pour pilsner or even a New England IPA down here in Alexandria. When you have a beer that's called Eternal Fury, the Wrath Within, scorched by the fire that sent me, uh, when people <laughs> when people look up there, do they? Do you think there's people that are like, oh, I'm not ordering that's that is that's uh, I don't know how to order that. I don't know what that is. I I got to move on to something else. I'll Mo- take I'll take regular domestic beer, please. <laughs> most of the time, they just say, "Can I have the fury, the fury, or can I have the Eternal Fury, or whatever?" They they really shorten it. Um, but once they see it's a New England, it. So we were kind of talking about this before you even started, but down here, you know, there, when we first started, nobody drank IPAs. Right. And now I, I've had a, a couple people tell me that they credit the fact that like IPAs are selling to us, um, a couple liquor store owners, and then also a couple customers have told me that. And that's, I guess that's good. I don't know. Uh, you know, to me, it, it, yeah. it's, you know, it, I know when we first opened, it was the face people would make was, you know, that cringy, like, right bitter beer face and now they now it's like a regular thing where people are ordering them a lot more frequently i mean it's our our second best-selling beer is uh till the battles one which is like our standard i call it a midwest ipa because it's it's got the juicier hops in it but it's it's, it's, it's really still, a West it's, Coast still I, it's still hoppy and it still has some bitterness too yeah. you know I, I think that 
that plays into a lot of why the New England IPAs kind of took off the way they did because it was kind of for a lot of people um, an easier road into IPA. They liked the they liked hops. They liked hoppiness. They, but they like, like the a certain type of hoppiness. Yeah. They don't like they don't like the bitterness that hops bring, uh, which. Uh, this beer is a really, really, really crazy kind of example of, of how that slow pour does change oh, a lot about the beer. Oh, completely it. I, I think it makes it 50 times more bitter. It, yeah, yeah, it makes, yeah, like it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's crazy. Because that beer is not bitter at all until you have it in that slow pour way. And then it, it then it smells like fresh hops. Yeah. I mean, it smells like you just opened a bag of hops yeah, it's, up. It smells completely different. Yeah. I'm sniffing for the uh, people that aren't watching on YouTube. If you if you don't know that already, this show is always on YouTube now also. Uh, and I encourage everybody to go subscribe over on YouTube and uh, watch it there after you listen to it on your favorite podcast platform. Listen to both. It's fine. There's nothing different, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> you, you can see our faces. Which isn't always fun for everybody, but... It's not for me. Yeah, that's um, that's a really fun experiment to do that. So they're on the exact same. I mean, we pour the regular pour out of that slow pour tap. We just open it all the way. Right. So it's both. It's the same keg. There's nothing different other than the way that we poured it. Let's see. And I think, and and somebody can correct me, or you can correct me if if you know a little bit more about the history of this. I don't think when, when, originally, I don't think slow pours were being poured very slow. I, I think you're right. I, I, I think it was probably. Something that they realized that, hey, this is a better way to do it. The the idea of a slow pour pilsner started in the United States. Like the idea of marketing that way. Yeah, to market it for sure. For sure. They, they, yeah. They're like, you know what? Hey, this is this is a cool thing. Uh, and you're going to you're gonna have to wait for this beer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was uh, it was thought about that way before um, we started messing around with stuff. No, I I, I've never been to like Pilsner Urquell or anything like that, but I've heard that if you go there, that is how they do it for you. Yeah, I don't know. But again, I've never been there. I've only been to Germany. And when I was there, you know, nothing. I drank a lot of Dunkel more than anything else. So, right. so you know, I think I maybe had one Pilsner, but I was not into Pilsner at that point in my life. So, well, and I, you know, it's. I think I was kind of running from it. It's the idea of doing slow pours is definitely not a German thing at all it's 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 czech republic like yeah. it's it's definitely yeah. well like the bavarian region though they, they kind of did it there too is my understanding because it's southern you know right on the border yeah but i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure i i just know it is more of a czech thing than it yeah. is absolutely a german thing than than it is a german thing i mean you know i, I just heard that they're doing in some region of, of bavaria would but. love to go to uh pilsner or kell and and drink there but um from my understanding the only proper way to do it is find one of the times where you can take a tour of the cellars where they still have just a little bit of beer that they they age down there and serve out of the uh, the tanks down there in the in the cellars i think it's the only way to do it uh yeah. wh- everything else they're doing with pilsner or kell is an abomination of everything that is pilsner or kell. <laughs> yeah I don't know if you. Uh, uh, I don't know if you listen to the weekly pint that often, um, but uh, I try to. I, the other uh, couple weeks ago, after Asai um, uh, made their octopi purchase, uh, started this this thought in my head of, oh my god, like if they're if they have this idea in their head to bring, you know, their their Japanese lager 
over to the United States and produce it here. What's stopping them from just deciding tomorrow, you know what, Prisoner Kel, everything that we're selling here in the United States should probably be made here in the United States. It makes more sense because it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I, think it's, I have this fear that one of these classic brands that uh, I still have some kind of soft spot in my heart for will go away. Well, Octopi for a long time, and they still are mostly a contract for free. It's like it's like fifty percent, I think. Is yeah, I think it's a little bit higher than that. So I had a friend from when I when I went to school. I had a friend that wound up there, and he worked there for two years. You three know what? Years. Uh, it's not fifty. You're right. They fifty percent of what they're making is beer. Fifty percent is other beverages. Yeah. That's yeah, what's yeah, in that my would head. make more sense. Yeah, because yeah, that's what they were. They built a new production facility yeah. a, a few years ago, and that was just because they were they had so many contracts. I mean, I know. And I'm not going to get into names here, but I know certain breweries in Cincinnati contract through them because because they think it, it's a more quality product than some of the ones yeah. in Cincinnati do. I, I'm not again. I'm not throwing out names, and I'm not saying well, one way or the other is right well, or wrong. But. I don't. I don't know that they currently are still contracting, but Urban Artifact was very open about that on social media of like, "Hey, yeah. we're we're contracting some of our stuff. We're doing it at at Octopi. Here's here's who we're having making our beer. We, you know, we we went out there. We wanted to make sure. You know, they like they were very open about why they were going there and 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 yeah. and how they felt about the the brewery as a whole. Well, they, they're my understanding, and, and my buddy Cameron. Who's not even in the industry anymore? He he was the guy that used to work there, and he told me that they're very religious about matching water profiles yeah. the best they can, using same yeast, same ingredients. Make the beer that you're supposed to make. <laughs> well, I, I think I think the biggest problem is is that like you know, and and I'm I've never been quiet about this either. When in KS contract our canning for a while, right? And it's just the water difference was was and and you know they have a different brew house. They're they're direct heat and and we're or direct fire and we're. We're in direct heat and steam. There are there are limitations on any brew house that you're on. Right. But when you get to some of the scales of some of these massive, massive places like Octopi or, yeah. you know, like uh, AB InBev or some of the, you know, those large macro breweries here in the country, they, they have a little bit more, uh, more wiggle room to, to, to make these, these brew houses that can kind of do whatever you want yeah. them to do. Yeah. And so like, when you look at a big place like Octopi, they're way more capable of, replicating a beer down to something as minute as water profile or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. it may be well, than, they, a, than they, a place, than a place like, like wooden cask ever could be. Right. And, and, and it's not to say there's anything wrong with what, what wooden cask was doing with our beer, but it was right. definitely a different flavor than, than what our beer was. Right. And, and, you know, part of that is with Octopi or those bigger guys, it's, you know, all the water is going in reverse osmosis and then they're injecting, mm-hmm. All, to get your water profile, they everything just have a is, computer that programs everything is it in starting from it. the complete base of nothing. Yeah, yeah, and being built up off of that. Right, and and you know we 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 filter our water here. We we don't want the chlorine in it. We don't want a lot of well, the. On, on the flip but, side, that's part of what that's part of what makes a place a place. Like right, that's that's. Right. You know the the profile that this has has terroir. Been, yeah, there we go. <laughs> the terroir of the the water. <laughs> Uh, is part of what gives it that character. That's that's why some of these beer styles uh, were became what they were. You know, like yeah. a, a Dortmunder Lager is not that different from a Pilsner, which is not that different from a Hellas, which is not like it's it was right. these other little minute details that were not necessarily like on purpose. It just just that's just the way it was. Right. <laughs> right. Goza, I don't think Goza was ever supposed to be salty. 
it was just because there was some salt (laughs) well my understanding with that was it was uh they actually used salt water by accident or something like that and that's what that's what got it there this is really good we don't know how to get the salt out of this so let's just do it (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's uh, that's part of the fun of some of these things of how they develop uh but then uh, part of the fun also now as craft breweries become a thing is trying to recreate some of that stuff and i think that that kind of bleeds over into the contract world man we went down a rabbit hole there yeah that was uh (laughs) let's uh as we kind of roll through this fight we'll, we'll talk about each beer but um let's talk about you guys let's talk about uh, kind of how you guys have continue, continued to grow, how you've to continued to evolve. Um, craft beer's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have uh, uh, steadfastly maintained the soul of a craft brewery, which I think is hard, uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, in places where you don't have... Uh, not that you don't have a community around you, but like uh, it, you have to drive we a little a, further. We have a small community. You have to. You have, well, I'm talking about breweries. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to drive a little further to get to a neighbor that's uh, that's uh, another commercial brewery. Right. Right. You don't have that kind of uh, comfort uh, bubble of people to uh, tell you that it's okay just to make beer. Right. Uh, but but you do. Yeah. How 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 have you kind of managed that? Um, balance of uh, watching what the market is yelling at you to do, watching what uh, <laughs> what what you 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 know you want to do. Well, you know, I mean, or or have you? Are all of these tanks full of like hard tea right now? No, no. <laughs> I so, guess I should have asked that first. So the big the big thing that we um, I don't know. We've always chose to grow organically instead of for, force grows, right. and I think that really helps us out. I think in terms of reputation and in terms of uh, in, in terms of just not overspending. So this mm-hmm. way, we're we're growing the way we need to grow. Now, you know, I, I don't I don't think the last time you were in, we had those three tanks, but now we've got three fifteen barrel tanks. I've been here. here since they were there. Yeah, I know. I, don't know I if mean, we I made mean, a show. I yeah, don't know. yeah. But you know, we added those tanks, and and we're looking to add a couple more. Um, just because we are, we're growing. I mean, it's a down market, so so that's a weird thing. Now, there are certain things that I've caved into that I said I would never do, like one being making a high adjunct lager. Sure. And we, we've got that with regular domestic beer now, which is our light lager, but call it a premium American lager because we're not <laughs> sending it out to get tested. Um, and, and, you know, but... You know, we experimented a little bit when the seltzer fad was was at its peak with seltzer, but honestly, we just found it was better to buy it from somebody else. Yeah, find somebody that knows what they're doing and and, and buy that. You know, and that's well, and those brands do kind of mean something to seltzer drinkers yeah. or to, to canned cocktail drinkers or whatever it is. When somebody walks in and they want a uh, a a canned vodka based cocktail. Like they're going for those little the little blue guys. What are those? The the little uh, high noons. Yeah, high that's noons. what they want. That, that's what we. That's we get. I mean, we have high noons and we have uh, Astra um, um, red green. Yeah. To me, and I'm looking through my lens of here in Cincinnati. That's what people want to drink if they're wanting to grab a seltzer. They don't. Yeah. They don't want a craft seltzer. <laughs> Well, <laughs> not that those aren't craft well, beverages. But, you know, I, don't send a lot email. of us don't have the the equipment to to make that properly, right? I, I think I think Braxton invested serious money to make their vibe brand sure. what it was, and you know, th- then the problem was is there was definitely Anheuser Busch w- did what Anheuser Busch does best, which was market confusion, right? 
Um, they haven't been able to pull that off with craft beer, but they absolutely right. They they didn't want another right. They didn't want another craft beer market exploding on them, so they just produced three hundred different. I mean, as an exaggeration, but different seltzers out there, and everybody got confused on what to buy. And right. now it's down to there's White Claw, there's High Noon, and and then in Cincinnati, we've got we've got March first one, yeah. but that's, that's but you know not everybody gets that either, and it. I don't know how it does. I mean, I can't speak to it because, I, you know, I don't work for March first or anything. But it's everywhere. I know that. But I mean, outside of uh, Cincinnati, though. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know how far outside of Cincinnati it it. it yeah. It, it, it. I don't know if they. I don't know if they have the capacity right now to do much more outside of Cincinnati because you can walk it. I bet I can drive down to the bowling alley here in Alexandria, and they probably have. Astra red cream soda. I, I think you're making the wrong bet there, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check. <laughs> but but the, the the point is there that you can walk into places that you wouldn't. Number one, you wouldn't expect a craft beer brand at all, right? Let well, alone they carry truth down there, though. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, uh, I, it surprises you sometimes the places that you walk into and you see not just that is there. Sometimes there's a tap handle dedicated to it being there. It's that's how crazy big it is yeah. here in the city. Like it's well, well, we had it on draft for a long time. We had two, two gluten free options. One was always a cider, and the other one was the seltzer. And then this summer, it just quit selling for us. Period. So now we're moving to it being in cans. Right. Um, we still have two full kegs in our walk-in that we have not been able to move, which is unfortunate because you know. I've got a fairly good relationship with the folks at, at March 1st, and I don't want to not sell it. But at the right. same time, it, it's, you know, we've got people asking for it back, which is nice, but we're moving to the cans with it. Right. Uh, and we're keeping we're keeping a cider on because we, we definitely sell more cider than we do seltzer. And, and it's just... Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, is uh, that... I don't... I don't think that's normal for a craft brewery. <laughs> I don't. Well, but see, I guess it depends if you call High Noon a seltzer, if you call it a, a RTD. Well, I I and, put them still both kind of in the same category. And I, I think we'd probably be. I'd have to look at our numbers, but I think we'd probably be neck and neck with mm-hmm. in terms of our our cider and our. Well, it's not our cider. It's a. I think we have Blake's. Uh, usually, we were doing um, Pivot for a while. And now we're we're looking at switching out Blake's for that uh, Northwood. Is that what it's called? Yeah, open yeah. to Norwood there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They just they just started dipping their toes into Kentucky, and, and our distributor Soligman happens to carry yep. it, so that worked out for us. So I think once we get once we get towards the end of this cider that we have from from Wesico, we're going to be switching over. But I I don't know that there's many, especially here in Cincinnati. I don't know that there's many uh, breweries that are kind of doing that same thing where they're carrying both. Uh, uh, a canned cider um, and some seltzer or well, canned it's, it's draft I cider is what, what we're having. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I don't know that they're selling as much cider as no, as it, even close to anything else. So we have a gluten-free people people that that want it. Um, now to that, and I don't know if you saw that little fun thing I put out the other day, or I don't know if I did a month ago now. Um, you know, I do I do a blog post every now and then when I. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Was this about the, the Clarex stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, if you if anybody goes back to last week's episode of this show too with Adam Mills at the very end of the episode, I think yeah, it was definitely on the episode. He um, 
uh, he let loose that he was not drinking uh, traditionally. He he worded as traditionally brewed beer uh, for for a while uh, because of a gluten intolerance, and that he had been seeking out beers that he knew had been brewed using this this brewer's clerics that, yeah. that drops it all out, and that it, that seemed to be working. But it doesn't drop it out. It actually it's an enzyme that breaks it down. So gluten okay, kind of a okay, com- nerd. You got Sorry. my point, <laughs> but but it's it's a complex protein that you're breaking it down. So this right. way it doesn't it doesn't wind. I mean the the protein's still in there, but it's not the chain it was. Right. So, so just long story short with that, and and you know it does help it to fall out too because a lot of coagulated proteins fall out when you're when you're cold crashing now. I'm gonna leave the nerd part alone. Listen, he but. was describing that it also like uh, it's better for your filters in the brewery too because the things are broken down more. Yeah, uh, when so it's not trying to pull that stuff out of there. That I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because well, because it, it <laughs> so those proteins don't stay in the beer the way it normally would with gluten. Right. So Brewers Clarex, just to kind of if, if if you didn't read it, you know, I know you did, but it, it's it was developed to prevent cold cold haze or chill haze, which right. is. When beer gets too cold, every now and then, if there's too much gluten in it, it'll look cloudy. Um, so they invented a product that broke that gluten down, was because that's what that is—is is just gluten getting cold and showing itself in the beer. So if you, they noticed, like if if you hit it and you let it sit for like ten minutes and it warmed up, it was gone. Right. And that's just gluten in beer. Um, so they invented this brewer's clarex and is when they were experimenting with it and and i mean when i was in school for brewing in 2015 that was kind of like we're kind of figuring this out that we can do this well now right. they've got a calculator that actually tells you how much you can do to make it quote unquote gluten reduced but gluten reduced means you've reduced it to an undetectable level well and that's, that's i think that's the the thing that a lot of people don't still don't really understand when you're talking about gluten-free like to say something is gluten-free in in my opinion and i'm sure that there's some kind of legal side to this also but like anything that's made in a brewery where there's gluten around there's no way you can call it gluten-free because that stuff's just floating around in the air (laughs) i don't i don't don't even care like a kitchen side like if you're talking about like a kitchen that's in a brewery and there is like that that air is transferring back and forth if there's if there's grain dust in the air and somebody's frying something like they were cooking something on a grill guess what there's probably some gluten in the air well uh, so it's not free of gluten ish gluten reduced no everything well, we're not allowed to call cuz the product the ones contain gluten right and that's why they've got to call it gluten reduced because is of now the level that can test the, the machinery that they use to test gluten. It's like peanut butter, though. You know, in the schools now where you're like, there's a sign <laughs> on the like door, that. you can't even put peanut butter in the room because the kids that are allergic to it. Nah, it's a little <laughs> bit different than that. It, it's always been different than that. I um, it, It's really weird, though, because there, there is people that, that have a wheat allergy that, that has nothing to do with the gluten. gluten yeah. So there's... I worked at... um. Mellow Mushroom I, mm. is a part-time job when they first opened in, in Wilder, and I'm pretty sure that was the first location to come to Cincinnati. I think there's one up north now, right? There's one in Westchester. But it's been yeah. there for a long time. I don't know how long ago you're talking. You're pretty 20, old, so it could have been a while. 2011, 2012. It had to be close. I don't know. Um, but years don't make sense to well, me. Well, I, I went from, you know, I started... Not because I'm old, just because they don't make sense. They don't. <laughs> 
Um, once upon a time, I, I bartended at Murphy's down in Clifton, right? And then it was a very part-time thing for me. I got to a point where, you know, I was interested in starting the brewery. I actually penned it on paper and, and well, that would have been 2011. So I started the brewery in 2011 on paper with a plan to open, to open, to open at that point. And right. I got a job just to kind of remind me how to bartend and how crazy things get at Mellow Mushroom when they first opened up in, in Wilder. And I was still working for U.S. Bank at the time. So it was, it, I'm pretty sure it was 2011. It might have even been 2010. Um, but they, my whole point here is, is that they make a gluten-free pizza and they ask if you have a weed allergy. Because if you have a weed allergy, they make it in its... And I don't know if every Mellow Mushroom does this, but I know the one in Wilder does. They've got their own room that they make that pizza in, that they that they flipped across and everything. Right. It's made completely separate with no wheat at all. So it's different flour, different everything. Because it's in the air, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it, it's it's the wheat allergy can be a lot more serious, I guess, than a gluten. 2012 than a gluten was Westchester. Okay. This is why I need a producer, because they could just be doing this while we talk and looking all these fun facts up that I'm not going to look up Wilder. Yeah, it was about the same time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think Westchester was under construction when we opened, if I remember correctly. Uh, let's drink another beer, and okay. we'll go back the way we're supposed to go. We'll start back at the no, beginning. Whatever you want to do, man. Uh, this is Garden Heat, and I don't know if we've tried this on the show before. We might have. Uh, if we did, it would have been when you... First, yeah, somebody somebody can can correct me and and uh, send the emails and I, I won't do anything about it. But um, Kentucky Common, yeah. So there was like this fun little thing uh, right around that time when you guys opened. Yeah, that uh, there were other breweries too that were like, oh, we're gonna make Kentucky Common. This was kind of the the this is the Kentucky uh, thing. This is our uh, our uh, our native beer style. <laughs> I, tell tell well, me about tell me about the beer style first. Okay, so if if I remember right, it, it's four or five native native, and I mean native, not yeah, not yeah. not Native American, like native the to, people that were here before. They were the, the beer styles are native to here. to the United States. That's yeah. what we'll say instead of America. We'll Do you know what they are? Them. Yeah, it's um a California common, steam an American beer. light lager. Wait, can we call it steam beer now since all that's for sale? Uh, it's already been sold. Somebody bought it. Yeah, I don't know who. I can't remember. Mm. So we can't um, call it that. Somebody else will sue us. Yes. Well, steam beer, California common steam beer, whatever. Um, you have the uh, cream ale, mm -hmm. uh, American light lager, mm -hmm. and one of my uh, the Kentucky common. common American premium light lager. Uh -huh, it's the same American thing. Uh, that's, that's adjuncted premium thing, light yeah. lager. <laughs> so it is, it is just the four. I, I thought there was one more for some reason, but it is just it's the four. And Kentucky Commons, one of them. Now, my understanding of the story is, is that Civil War happened, right? Mm -hmm. It did. And, that is, I confirm that it happened. Yeah. And all the uh, soldiers were were drinking pretty hard bourbon mm -hmm. after they got done. And, I can also uh, confirm that that was uh, that time frame. Yeah. There was a lot of so, spirits. Turn of the century, 1900s, you know, it, it, it early 1900s. They were producing all this corn here in Kentucky to make Kentucky bourbon because back then right. bourbon was only made in Kentucky. Not just in Kentucky, though. The corn was a massive crop just in the United States in general right around that time. That was right. that was the one thing we were making a ton of. Things haven't really changed. But right. but we had so much of a surplus of corn one year that, that the soldiers kind of stopped drinking as much as they were. Maybe their wives got on them. I don't know. But it, <laughs> it hit a point where they stopped 
And Kentucky had this giant surplus of corn and, and no idea what to do with it. So this one bar in Louisville, because it was bars really that made the bourbon, right, and, and shipped it out, said, well, what if we put it into beer like they're doing there, but like make it something ours. Right. And again, it's my understanding that they hired a brewer out of Cincinnati that made cream ale. He brought his own strain of yeast down with him. Right. And put it into that beer and then put a little bit of dark malt in it to kind of make it different than, than a cream ale. It, so it's it a has, cream ale with at least 33% corn in it. It has a lot of those flavors that, uh, again, not that this tastes like bourbon, <laughs> but that are reminiscent of things that you get from bourbon. Like this is, this would uh, pair up with bourbon very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super sweet, um, but it does have a little bit more character to it than a cream ale might. Cream ale, and from my understanding, was just uh, Americans trying to replicate some of the stuff that was happening over in Europe and just didn't have the technology to do that yet. Right. And just happened to have a whole bunch of corn. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what makes... This what is makes... different. Like, this, is, this was actually... This feels like it's something that's more purposeful than, um, than what cream ale was to, to create good beer. Well, and the... Um... Lady that owns uh, Apocalypse Brewing, Leah. She uh, she's actually done a lot of the research. She's kind of the one that that really brought the style a little bit more to the forefront of, right. of what what the history is on it. And uh, yeah, it was kind of cool because from her, I was able to find like some some recipes, some old recipes. And, and the funny thing is, is, it doesn't really say anything. It says thirty three percent corn. It says however much base malt, right. and it says dark malt. So you don't know what what that is. Uh, there was also, um, when the style first came back, too, there was a, a group of people trying to say it's supposed to be a sour instead well, of... That goes back to that same conversation as, like, Goza, was it really supposed to be salty or just kind of was salty well, sometimes? I, I think all beer back then had a little bit of sour to it because they didn't understand the cleaning and, and the sanitation like we do now. Yeah, well, it, I'm sure that like if uh, there were probably some places that if you if you went to your local tavern or whatever and you got the fresh batch of Kentucky Common as it rolled in from the brewery uh, or rolled up from the guy that was making it downstairs, yeah. uh, it was probably not <laughs> sour. Uh, but if you showed up the next week, it was probably a little little tart. It probably yeah. had some some sour. So depending on when you were drinking the beer, it was probably a little different. Yeah, yeah, and there's <laughs> there's probably that too, right? I think that, and I think that that's 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 a um that's a fun side of historical beer styles but also maybe a misconception and a misunderstanding of them but also makes it hard, like you can't really recreate these things that people were making right uh well and, and you'll never know unless you were able to find some that somehow was majorly preserved right for how many years you know I no mean, but that's like even then though like i'm saying like one week you can have this and the next week it was probably a little bit different the uh, style itself was different <laughs> Yeah, you go, you go you go to like Antarctica and find it that if somebody took it there and just dropped it, it's not going to change at all, right? right? Right. Other than it would be frozen and unfrozen. Well, assuming no light hit it, though. Right. So, but that that'd be the only way. And I mean, what are the chances of anybody doing that? You know. But even then, did you get the? Was it frozen right after it was brewed, or was it right, frozen after right. it been sitting for a couple of weeks? How long was the boat ride? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did it get here? Yeah. Uh, it's I like historical styles. I think they're fun. Um, I it's like this romanticism of this idea of like 
time traveling back to what Cincinnati or, or wherever you happen to be from was and like what was it that people were drinking and uh, i mean it probably wasn't great that's the that's kind of the whole joke of it all like we spent yeah. a lot of time trying to recreate historical styles that probably weren't really they're probably pretty nearly, terrible yeah, honestly, not nearly yeah. as good as what what this is you know this is probably not what kentucky common was right <laughs> It's probably hopefully it's a lot better. I, I don't know. I, it's delicious. Uh, tell us about the beer itself, though. Kind of the uh, like you said, there's there was a uh, large stretch of time where this wasn't on. Why'd you bring it back? Tell me, tell, tell me about well, the beer. It w- it wasn't that we didn't have it on. It was just we had a lot of light options at one point, and we still kind of. I mean, we this is one of those trial and error type things, right? Like I'm a, I like big beers. Mm-hmm. I like ones that are just seven percent or above right right um and we were brewing a lot of those for a while so garden of heaton which is what you're drinking the arkansas common we we brought that out to kind of offer a light offering and we we started out with it it was last last minute decision that we made to to brew that beer and have something light available at opening because everything else was six and a half seven percent right um but it was supposed to be, but then we we had a problem with our brew house. I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about that before. I think so. but, yeah. But one of our beers that was supposed to be, you know, around that same range was our black IPA. It never boiled enough. We can only get it working with one of our jackets on, so it simmered instead right. of really boiled. At a, at yeah, it never got that nice rolling boil that you need. That was to called. Uh... Sessions in black. Sessions about yeah. Um, I if I can find what episode that was that we talked about it, I'll I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> we had uh, oh, that was a nightmare, but <laughs> but you know it, it's we've had a lot of people ask us to recreate that beer too. I mean, just to change the subject for a second, and I'm like, well. <laughs> Kind, you of, want us to do kind that? of on that same track yeah. as trying to recreate historical styles. Yeah. You just yeah. can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can try, and 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 in all honesty, most people aren't going to know the difference. And they'll be, right. oh yeah, this is great. This is exactly how is how I remember it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and you're probably right, but I don't know. So we we hit a point where we kind of overcorrected hard the other way, and we had way too many light beers. Right. So Garden of Heat and kind of quit selling um, because we had. And, and, you know, I like our Kolsch, too, but we had our Kolsch on, we had that on, we had our Blondale on, and then we came out with regular domestic beer. So we had these three beers that were all under 4.5%, with the, I think regular domestic 4.75, but all lower ABV beers. That's... And and then we we decided to kind of make things cyclical. First of all, we took off all in blondes so our blondales right we've got it in cans available and, and once that's done we're, we're pretty much done i think that's that's a that's a fairly normal trend right now too is that and I, and that that not to say anything about any of the beers because they're all good but like if i walk up to a tap list and even if in my head i'm like all right i want something light uh that's that's where i'm going right now and there's a kentucky common and a kolsch and a Pilsner and a Blondale, like there's definitely a hierarchy there. Unless I know the beers and I'm like, oh my, God, I haven't had this one for a long time, or I haven't seen this one for a long time. I need to, I need to try it because I have some kind of emotional response to needing this beer. Yeah, uh, like there's a hierarchy of like, oh, I'm going with a Pilsner. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, Kolsch, I'm going with the Kolsch, and then Kentucky Common, and then the Blonde. Like it, it becomes like this, this thing in my head just because of the styles themselves and. Well, well, I think what we wound up with was somebody looking at it saying it's too dark, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't yeah, taste yeah. like a dark yeah, yeah, beer, yeah. but but a lot of people were looking at it saying, "Well, I don't want that one; it's too dark." Sure, you've got these other three that are lighter color. Why don't I? Why can't well, I have one of those? But that's and that's a valid reason. Like for me, it's 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 a little sweeter than than what I typically want when I want a lighter beer, which is right. kind of the same as as a lot of blondes. They're just a little bit sweeter than I want my my light beer to be. I want right. something that's a little a zippier, as I like to call it. And <laughs> and so like, but the if. The light option that was on tap was just that blonde. Heck yeah, I'm going for it. You know, like it's yeah. you know, like it, it starts to shift like what people <laughs> are choosing based on the things that are available around them, which probably speaks to a much bigger thing that's happening in craft beer right now, uh, where uh, there's just there's so much choice that sometimes I, you pass one thing up because of something else. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree with that, and I and I think what we kind of said was okay, so. When we have the coal shawn, we're not going to have Garden of Eaton on, mm-hmm. you know, or if we have, you know, the Pilsner on, we're not going to have Garden of Eaton on, you know, it's kind of just this, because it's, it's competing against right. our own other beers right. and it's, then it, it just doesn't sell. We'd rather it be fresh. We'd rather it. Did it break? Just keep talking. It break. I mean, it didn't break, but. It, his camera's broke. He monkeyed around with it too much, and now it's not working. Maybe. It's all right. It was the camera that's on me. Just keep the one that was on you the whole time. We don't. We don't need me anyway. Nobody wants to see this mug. I just got done telling people how every episode is video, and like you can go check out YouTube where the video well, is there. There's still video of you. Nobody wants that. Yeah, they they <laughs> would rather have that than me. It's Goodness. all right. Um, Hopefully, that wasn't too long. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, I think I answered your question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but the uh, the idea of having other choices around you that are similar to one thing. Uh, kind of speaks for like this big thing that's happening in craft beer right now, uh, the, the, uh, especially on shelves and on tap handles in bars. I heard a noise. That's all. I, I couldn't hear it. Okay. <laughs> uh, and does that? I mean, did that? I don't. Uh, did that kind of as as things have kept kind of growing and evolving uh, around you guys here? Did that change how you kind of? do this whole thing or was that kind of were you always going to be insulated from that a little bit because this is yeah i think we're always going to be kind of well (laughs) i should have said that it it was kind of like um i don't know you know we we realized that we were missing audience we were having a lot of people not showing up we started with our liquor license getting that and Mm -hmm. doing cocktails and and having a decent bourbon selection but then you know, nobody wants that. I shouldn't say nobody, but it's expensive to sit and drink bourbon all night, especially if yeah. you're drinking high-end bourbon. Um, so, it's you also know, not as fun, I don't think. Like, it just, it's a different type of drinking. It is. And I, I think what we want, and I'm not trying to put that down either, because I like bourbon, yeah, you know. I love bourbon. Um, but I, I think we had, uh, we had a time where, where people, like, were going out in groups of friends, and they want to come here because we didn't have a lighter option 
And so we introduced PBR to our, our menu, and, and that didn't really help things. You know? Ah, the old urban artifact. Uh... <laughs> well, my understanding is they introduced that because they kept finding it in their trash cans. Right. So might as well it's, make money on it. It's Narragansett now, I think, up there. Yeah, well, we... we uh, we introduced it as just a way to behave something for somebody that refused to go out otherwise. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if you call it, I don't want to call it stupidity, but that's the best. That's the term I'm keeping up. The, the fact that you, that you're unwilling to try something different than what you normally have. You're my brand. I have to have, I've been programmed that my brand is Miller Lite and that's all I can ever drink. Or right. I've been programmed that my brand is Bud Light and I don't drink anything else. I'm never going to try anything else. Screw it. Nothing else is going to taste as good to me. And having that mindset is kind of a, a problem that we've dealt with here since since the beginning. And we still kind of deal with it. See, that, and that seems so crazy to me like i can't i can't imagine that if they're and 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 maybe this is a problem that's kind of uh shifted a little bit over time um, but like if if there's an option that is very close to what you typically drink yeah i think that most most of those drinkers like i you know this is the brand that i drink will be like all right this is the brand that i drink uh, I'll drink this, but I don't like it. And then they'll still drink it, and they're well, okay. And the next time, they'll still come back. With regular domestic, we we've we've had success with a lot of Miller or Bud Light drinkers saying, "I I do like this. You know, this right. is, this is good. The, whatever they want to say." But then we still have this hardcore group that won't even taste it. And regular domestic is your your light. Yeah, sorry, your, your regular your domestic beer is yeah. our is our. We get sick of people ordering regular beer, domestic beer, right. which, you know, I I think they kind of felt insulted when I said, well, you can't get much more domestic than what we're making I, here. That's a pet peeve of mine. We probably talked about it the, when I, we did I'm talk sure. about that beer on the show. I'm sure but we there's, have. there's nothing more frustrating to me than walking into one of those chain restaurants. And it's happy hour. And you're like, hey, you know, what's what are the happy hour specials? Oh, you know, half price appetizers. You can get, uh, you know, 10 boneless wings for for five bucks. And uh, and all domestic beers are only five dollars for the biggest serving we have. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm going to take a truth. Uh, and, the bit, and they're like, oh, no, that's that's uh, it's not that's domestic. An, that's and an I'm import. Like, I'm like, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Wait, where else is it at? I hate right? that. Yeah. I hate yeah. it. I hate oh, it man. so much. Oh, that's, that's like the, so, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek with the name, you know, but, yeah, but yeah. I, I think it's a lot of people get a kick out yeah, of it. No, you it's, know? it makes sense. Um, but, but what we, uh, I'm sorry, but, but what we have found is that a majority of people who are willing to try it, enjoy it. Yeah. But, it, and I've even done blind tastings with people at the bar. Okay. Miller Lite, Bud Light. Okay. Regular domestic. We even put Yingling in there a uh, handful of times. And what's your brand? I don't drink anything but Bud Light. Yeah. Okay. Try these three and see which one you like the best. I'm not going to fall for that. That Miller's too hoppy for me. Like, okay. Just <laughs> just try it, you know, and, and they'll, they'll have it. And they'll be like, well, I like this one. And it tends to be our beer. I'm like, well, that's ours. I don't know. You guys made that, you know, and, and it was something that. Especially at the beginning, we, we did it. Um, well, I shouldn't say the beginning. We kind of started doing it over the summer, I guess. Um, I did it at my house. I, I did it with groups of friends that say right. they never drink craft. 
um, a lot of army buddies I have, you know, just yeah, yeah. refuse it. Well, people get an idea in their head. It's not that they actually have ever ever sat there and tried different beer next to each other like that. Right. They just they have this idea in their head that like, no, this is I, I know that this is comfortable and I know that I like this. Yeah. And I'm afraid to get outside of that comfort. I, I, zone. I think I think a lot of it goes to the marketing, especially like if you look back when we were younger, you know, I, I don't think. I think part of the reason we're seeing, and, and I, I don't know if we I, need to I talk am, about the I decline. Well, no, you're not. You're not that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. You're young. younger than me. I'm going through a crisis. I turned forty in a couple months. I'm. Uh, That's not yeah. much of a crisis. That's a, uh, all right. Could die any day, but, man. We all can. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, well, that went dark. <laughs> uh, but uh, I lost I my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I guess, I guess the thing is, is that you the know, especially it, like, yeah, like they, it. they marketed it. I mean, to me as a kid, I was marketed to for Bud Light, yeah, especially yeah, Bud, Bud, Bud Frogs. Oh yeah, the all of those Spuds commercials, McKenzie, all that kind of uh, stuff. The you Miller know? commercials were pretty good too. Yeah, <laughs> those yeah. girls in the fountain. I know that that's uh, probably inappropriate, but my God, it was a good commercial. <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're an adolescent boy. <laughs> yes. When I grow up, I'm drinking Miller. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it had in the branding on it. I mean, the branding is great, but, you know, they used to give out. I can remember going down to like the WEB and Fry, fireworks and getting a free Bud Light T-shirt or Budweiser yep. T-shirt down there in a kid's size. Right. Like, yep. Yep. Why are they giving that to kids? Well, you know, you look at it now and that's why they were giving it to you. They've, they've marketed it to you. So there, there's some subliminal, subliminal advertising going on where. You know, these people, it's ingrained in them. It's, yep. it's part of their culture. It's what their dad drank. It, it's what it is. And they're never going to have anything different. But as soon as you prove to them and you and you break that, you break that fallacy that they've got in their head, then they're right. like, okay, well, let's, uh, let's try something different. It was always a thing, though, like whether it was conscious or not, maybe it changes. But like even before... You know, big beer really took over. We'll talk just Cincinnati. Like before, yeah. big beer kind of took over and 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 um, you know became what it is now. Like there were still like these weird little pockets, these regional pockets in Cincinnati. Like oh no, we we drank Shaneling here. Yeah, we only drank Weedman. Yeah, you know? this is Weedman. Yeah. This is this is Hootie. This is you know these were like the. Uh, it was just because your grandpa did it or, you know, this is what the church has at the festival or like, this is oh, like, your it just becomes, or whatever, becomes you know? your be brand. That. Yeah. Which maybe, maybe as craft beer keeps, keeps growing and creeps, keeps evolving, we'll get some of that. Like, it's like, oh no, like we, like, oh, that, that brink, that's good stuff. But you know, we're from Alexandria. We drink Alexandria. Like that's, that's our beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like maybe that, maybe we will see that evolution over time. Well, I, I think we might see that is well. You say growing, and and it's we're now Evolve, in a down market. Evolving is yeah. a better kind of which is this is the first time in how many years that craft's been or beer in general has been down. I uh, yeah, but I like I'm still looking at like through this lens of what's happening in Cincinnati. Yeah, and and I can get that too. But I think as we see as we see more of a you know the consolidate I call it consolidation wars almost. I think we're going to see something where. I don't want to say it's going to go back to as bad as it was in the in the late seventies, early eighties, where right. Anheuser Busch is buying everybody. But I see, I hate to say it, but I see a lot of breweries closing. Um, I mean, and I just I notice it because you know you we think get, locally. I, I hope not. I, see, I, I still think that 
but but I think competition. I still is think gonna we're going to see driver. we're going to see more places open than we'll, we'll see well, places close. There's more breweries opening too. There's more breweries opening than closing in Cincinnati. And I think I mean, that not, I don't I don't think that we're going to see that number shift for a very long time, if ever. I, I hope you're right. I really do. I, I hope it's at least one for one. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I I do know I know of a few that are struggling too, and yeah, and, yeah. and you know I'm not. But this is, and this is a really, really terrible way to think about it. But when you have a brewery that's struggling, and I will we'll, we'll, use an example that like that doesn't affect me emotionally, we'll say like a uh, uh, Molar Brew Barn. They come into Monroe and they open up a brewery and they last a year and they close. Yeah. And that sucks. And like I wanted to see them succeed. Obviously, we want everybody to succeed. But in that time, then there's four other breweries that are not in a massive multi-million dollar production facility looking to crank out beer to uh, God knows how big of a uh, footprint that have opened. Well, I, it makes me feel a little bit better. Like, it's like, okay. I think that goes back to that whole organic growth though. Right. I think, I think, I think Moeller and I'm not, I don't know them. I don't, I don't know anybody there. I've never, never met them. So I'm not trying to say anything bad. I've never even had their beer. So, I'm going to preface it with that, right. but, but, you know, I think that they were trying to grow at the old pace when that old pace was shutting down. And I think that that is the majority of places that are closing. I, I, I think, and, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong and send, send your, your, your fun emails or your tweets or whatever. I don't, it's fine. But like, that's, that's the majority of places, you know, but, but it did feel forced, right? Like, like, like well, they came in, I was like, Wait, most most of the just... places that have most of the pla- and this is again not everybody because we can all name places that shouldn't have closed that that did for lots of various reasons. But uh, most of the places that are closed, like if when you take a step back and you look at it, and be like, oh well, that's that's why they closed, and you yeah. can see this 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 shift to try to do something much bigger than the market can handle. And then there's there's lots of examples of that around, and it's you know, yeah, I I just I agree with you that 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 is absolutely a majority of of what we're seeing close. It's not as much as uh, you know, we're not seeing like the the small guys close, but now you're you are seeing people not, go into, you are seeing people go into these small areas where there might not be enough room for two breweries, and now they're battling it out. You know what I mean? And I I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I I'm thinking of one in particular, and and you know, it, it's going to be a shame, but they're going to hit a point. Now I'm curious. I, I I'm not going to get into <laughs> it. On we can believe it out. No, that's too much work. Nah, nah. <laughs> I'm curious. I, we'll I'm talk about it afterwards. Get into it, but I, I just I don't see them. I don't see them making it through what what's going on with them. Right. Um, because they had a bigger brewery come into the area and they're making more popular beer. Right. You know, the, the, the brewery in question makes a little bit more traditional styles and they have a following, but they've lost a lot of the semi regular yeah. following. You, you know what I mean? They but, don't lose their regulars, but the people lost. that were there just because it was a spot that it was, was the there. Only, it was, it a was spot the, to be the there. big craft beer in yep. the area. Makes sense. Um, do you, Overall, well, let's let's drink another beer. All right. Uh, well, you is, already started. Uh, I know. I got thirsty. It's a dunkel. Yeah. And I love a good dunkel. The dunkel is like 
probably the beer style that really, really got me hooked on craft it's beer. What, it's what brought me into it. It was like, it was still light enough that I could drink a lot of it and, and keep up with like the, you know, you're hanging out with all your college buddies and they're drinking, you know, light lagers yeah. and stuff. And they, yeah. it was about volume and I, you know, was <laughs> drinking heavier stuff and I'm like, I can't, I, I can't drink that much and everybody kind of laughs at that and peer pressure sets in and like, all right, it's something that I can still drink a, a lot of. Right. And this was one of those beers that you can just sit and, and drink like a Bavarian. Yeah. <laughs> just drink all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I got turned on to him when I was over in Germany. And and that's a recipe I've been tweaking for a long time. Um, T-Ball is my dad's nickname for my youngest brother, Tyler. So that's kind of what it's it's named after. Um, he asked me to make him a dunkel when I was a home brewer. And I didn't have technology. Him and I lived together for a while. And I didn't have the technology at that point to do it you know right, I, didn't, I didn't have right. a good way to lager so it's a beer that i've been working and working on i think originally we put a little bit of rye in it to kind of give it something different and and honestly this is the closest i've gotten to a bavarian dunkel that's what i had over in germany it's great like it's uh it's it has some of that sweetness from the malt, but it's still like it's a fairly dry beer. Like yeah. it still kind of drinks crisp and like a. Uh, That's um, a like lager. A good, it should like still a, always drink <laughs> crisp, even if it's sweet. We don't have to talk about that this episode. We can <laughs> we can talk about some loggers that are around, but. Um, uh, I, I kind of, and I think I've talked to you about this too. I think the the logger in general, the. Right, let, let's let's go down the rabbit hole, <laughs> dude. I love that rabbit hole. I'll talk about it all day. I, I think that there's been a conditioning of, of what a lager is, and there's people that don't realize that, okay, there's this is what it's supposed to be, right. but they've had so many, and, and I hate saying it, but it's like a craft lager. They've had so many of those that don't taste to what the style's supposed to well, be, it, it started, but now they think this is the way lager's supposed to taste. It started with American lager when they yeah. started just kind of... and. The, the way the the reason that American Lager turned out the way it did was not necessarily a bad one. It was new technology that was happening. People trying to make things more efficiently, trying trying new things that turned loggers faster. Which yeah. I don't. I need to make that clear. I don't have a problem with people trying to find new ways to make loggers faster. Tradition for tradition's sake doesn't make sense to me. I think well, it does a little bit. It's still fun and it's still romantic, yeah. but it. it if you can make a, a product that tastes just as good as one that takes three times longer to make, more power to you. Uh, so, you know, don't do something just because you're supposed to do it that way. But the problem that happened with American lager and, and probably with craft lager a little bit now, too, uh, is that... Uh, it's starting to not taste the way it's supposed to taste. Right. And the experience isn't the way it's supposed to be. And uh, your point, which we've talked about a lot of times, is that now there are people that are coming to expect that or that's what they think of when they think of the the product. Of what a logger should be. Right. And, 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 and it's not right. Like, And, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or oh, anything like that. But, but, but <laughs> what's U.S. Open beer cup which is which is a cincinnati competition right. but breweries enter it from all over the country there's loggers in there that i would be like are you kidding me that mm. that won that category you know like i remember reading that list this year and, and this is i think this was the first year we didn't really enter it uh we maybe entered like one beer or something but um and and i was reading it i was like 
I had that lager and I couldn't finish it. You know, like, yeah. like to me, that's not, I guess there's an expectation with me that, it, that when I have, a, if I have it and it doesn't meet the category immediately, I dislike it, you know, and, I, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm not trying to find the positive. In, in yeah. Things. I mean, and there's, there is a whole thing to that too, of like trying to brew two style versus just trying to make a beer that is enjoyable to drink, right. which are two very different things. Right. And, and I, I, I wonder if I became, if I've become too snobby too, you know, I, I always have that, but you know, I'll have it with, we'll do things where we do side by sides with our bartenders and stuff. And our bartenders all have pretty decent palates. I mean, there might be one or two exceptions in there, but you know, we'll have other, uh, well, I've got Andy back there brewing for me now too. So I have him just collecting Andy's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's three of us here right now. <laughs> I think he's still back there. I don't see him. He's probably sitting down. I, I think I got to drive him home. His car broke down today. Oh, Lord. I feel bad for the guy. He can't catch a break, man. <laughs> he really can. I love the dude. But, um, and, and I mean, it was just a, a radiator hose broke or something like that for him. It wasn't a big deal, but it's just. You don't have extra hose laying around here? I've got plenty. <laughs> Rig something up. <laughs> go in there with like some of those worm gear clamps. So, don't worry, Andy. We got it's you. Fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> we'll get you home. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but there, there are beers that like, if I, if somebody just puts it in front of me and says, Hey, here's a beer, uh, let's have a beer. And I drink it that I'm fine with. Yeah. But that if somebody puts in front of me and says, try this, uh, this is our, um, our, our Dunkel or our Mexican lager or our Pilsner, God forbid, um, that when I drink it, it it does like it 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 triggers this thing in me and it's like oh god why why would you say that to me like why would you do that <laughs> why as you're you handing me this? this beer like why like just uh, make up your own style like yeah. we can do that like nobody cares i mean people yeah. actually people do care people will give you shit for that but it's okay call, I, i'd call rather i'd rather get shit if you make if you make the style up. I, i'd rather give you shit make for that than, than than me expecting a and me getting make B. it up so that i know what i'm walking into yeah. i this this movement towards uh pseudo loggers being normal is uh uh not what i want craft beer to do and again yeah. I've, I've had some that are fine and like i and i you know there's no need to trick me the next time i'm sitting at your bar and put it in front of me and like hey how's this there's no need to do that it's fine it's yeah. it tastes fine and um <laughs> i don't know there was one brewery i could think of and they're, they're no longer around so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say their name but i'm gonna say what they told me is that they lager in the kegs I've, I've I've heard of places, and I said, "Well, you understand that everything that you're trying to get out of the logger, you're putting into that keg mm-hmm. with the logger. So it, even if it settles down to the bottom, it's still in that keg." Well, there's there's breweries too that are still around that like I know when they made this beer at the beginning, I know what it was, and I know yeah. what it tasted like, and I know what that experience of that beer was, and when I try it today, it's not the same beer. Yeah. It's well, that's, that's cutting it's cost. changed and it's it's cutting cost or cutting you know yeah cutting cost cutting time and cutting tank time or which is which is still cost cut, you know yeah. you know you know get, and, oh, and, and that's, that's the tricky part and that's, I mean sorry, I get it and that's that is part of brewing is trying to trying to figure out those costs and trying to make it the way it makes sense that's part of running a business uh, but uh, there is also something about beer that is um, that is a little bit deeper than that that like that that 
still means something to some of us. Yeah. I, I think the bigger, the biggest place you can cut cost in terms of, of your beer is tends to be your yeast, right? Like, like yeast, you could go from high quality yeast that you're paying four times the price for right. it to, uh, you know, a powder pitch. Um, and I'm not trying to say one better than the other, but in my experience, my, if I'm paying for the better yeast, which we, we use that we use white labs for the most part, we, we have a couple of omega strains and a couple of yeast strains, but we always use liquid yeast. And in my feeling of that is, is that the beer just turns out so much better. Right. You know, why would I take that away? Especially considering I can reclaim my yeast. If I buy, you know, a, a yeast brink, which is just a keg that has two valves on it basically and, and, and fill that back up with, with my old yeast, you know, as right. long as, as long as I'm not overusing it, that, that liquid yeast tends to last longer. It tends to keep, keep the bad f- flavors out for a longer period of time. But I also find that it's just a better flavor. I mean, right. so, you know, I, I don't, I, to me, it tends to be like the second round or third round is kind of the sweetest spot that you can get with that, with that yeast, because now you've got stuff that's already kind of worked and it knows what it's supposed to do. So now it, it's doing a better job than right. it did even that first time. It's not shocked as bad when you put it into the, you know, a beer environment, you know. That actually makes way more sense than than I would have thought it would have. That makes that makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> I mean, you've you've had this 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 uh this generation that like it's it's parent yeast and its grandparent yeast has uh, has already been through this thing and they've you know, passed on all of those, those traits to, yeah. to, to baby yeast. Now, now you get to doing it too much, then you've got yeast that's morphing and, and, and not doing what it's supposed right, to do. Right. So there's a fine line and it's kind of knowing when, okay, we need to not reclaim this yeast, just dump it. And, and, you know, that's fine too. But, you know, on average we get eight generations per pitch. You know, with with Hothead, which is our Omega strain, I think we get 12 generations out of it. I mean, without any kind of problems. I've got got a brother that does our lab work in Chicago. We ship we ship him samples all the time. He plates and he's like, yeah, it all looks healthy. Right. You know, it's not it's not as religious as it used to be. But, you know, it's that's part of the process is now you kind of know where your spots are. And you right. don't have to do it every time. Um, but, yeah, that that's. I don't know. I, I just think that that's kind of where, especially with loggers, that's where the biggest difference. You're good, Brian. Sorry. You, you got hesitant because I don't think he wants to be on camera. <laughs> well, the batteries are probably dead anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like, is, is that the biggest mistake that you think <laughs> new breweries are making now? Like even the small guys that are opening up is just not like having that, uh, that focus on understanding some of those more, scientific things um i I can't really say that because some of the better brewers don't understand the scientific stuff you know i I can't but a lot of them have people around them that that do but like that's we (laughs) we hope uh but then like you get like as this whole thing keeps shifting and as we start seeing more small neighborhood places yeah i mean one of the places that i go to very frequently right now is bocce brewing over in wyoming it's I've it's never in, even heard it's of in that. Gabby's. It's in Gabby's cafe. He's got a little tiny system down in the basement, and I think he has two beers on tap. Uh, I think the most I've seen him have on at the same time was three, and like it's it's brilliant. But there, there there's, there's 
There's no plating things or shipping things oh, off no. to labs or even any kind of concept of well, microbiology happening in there, which is okay. But but how big are they though? I mean, do you know? Like off the is it is it just like ten gallons? Like yeah, it's like yeah. It's, so yeah. if he's doing that, it's cheap enough. He doesn't need to re reclaim yeast. I mean, it, it, there's no there's no cost benefit to him at that point. You know, um, you know, you, you have to have. I shouldn't say there's no cost benefit, but yeast at that point, $7 a pitch, you know, right. you're buying two pitches and, and you know, what are you really, you know, when you're looking at us, you're going from, so a brick of yeast is like $88 for one brick. And that, that's the powder. And if you're using, if we're using the liquid, we're paying, I think it's one fifty or two fifty five for a liter pitch. Right. And sometimes I have to do, depending on the size, you know, it's, it's two loggers. I always double, double up my pitch. So, you know, it's, what five hundred dollars in, in yeast alone is, is where a majority of our cost is coming. Right. I mean, hops cost cost a lot too, but you know, it, it's. I don't know. I've always been a big fan of the saying: "You get what you pay for." Right. Sure. And, and you pay for you pay the eighty eight dollars instead of paying the two fifty five. There, you're getting a higher quality, and I don't. It, it's going to be tough to prove to me otherwise. You know, um, in, in talks with. Uh, Evan at at um, at Braxton, they the only thing that they use powdered yeast for, I think, is garage beer, and and I understand that because that's a price point they're trying to hit. You know, everything else is liquid yeast there though, and and that's just the way we've always been. We're always well, we we did try that. Um, oh, what's that one called? It was a newer yeast that they found that that actually puts out uh, lactic acid. Well, the sour vicia. Yeah, what, Philadelphia sour. Philly sour. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But what we got with that was red apple. Too much red apple in the beer that that it was. It's not meeting our our flavor profile, right. you know. So we'd rather just sour it, kettle sour it, and take the extra day to make sure it tastes the way it should taste, right. you know. And 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 that's the other that goes to the other thing, time and tank, right? So, you know, I get spunning valves are really nice because you can you can really limit what that yeast is able to put out because um, you're pressure fermenting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's spunning valve is what gotcha. that does. It's, that was, it's that the valve that, that, that releases the gas. <laughs> sorry. So those are nice in a way, but but it's not the traditional way. And and I've had some some of those are fantastic, and some of them aren't. Right. And I think it's a dialing in process, you know. And and I'd rather just take the extra time and make sure it's going to turn out right instead right. of trying to. Well, what am I going to do with this? I'm, I can't serve it as this. I've got I've got to rebrand it, and that's the way I think about it. You know. Um. So I don't know. Well, it's I'm rambling, but no, but it's like it's when you're when you're a smaller place, uh, like you guys, or like anybody else that's smaller than what you guys are doing. Like if if you have something that doesn't turn out, like it really isn't the end, it, as long as it's still drinkable. Like if it doesn't turn out, it's it's still fine. Like it's yeah. not it's not hurting anything as far as the consumer is concerned, as long as you're letting them know this is not the same thing. But like when you start talking, like when you start scaling things up to these big kind of operations, if you have a batch of Budweiser that just isn't Budweiser, like that's you can't you can't do anything with that. Like you right. you, you can't well, do that. But see, that's that's the other thing, right? So you get to these larger scales. Yeah. You're not brewing the one-off beers or anything like that anymore right. either. And you better be damn sure your processes are right before you scale up that big. But that's also where you see the biggest 
cut in cost. That's when yeah, you see there, people. There's a weird middle ground within that, though. Well, the, there, I mean, it's, but Braxton's your good example of that, right? right? I mean, they're a, they're a fairly large brewery. They put. I mean, they're not the biggest by any means. They're but there's there's a handful of breweries that are kind of right in that pocket right now in Cincinnati. You know, Rheingeist is obviously big. Sam Adams is obviously big. But you've got you know like your Braxtons and your Mad Trees well, and Mayad your Trees March First and like like they're well they're, even even Mayad Tree Mayad Trees. I mean, if you look at the just brew house alone, they're three times, four times the size of Braxton. The brew house, but I mean, is the, the amount of beer that they're making is well, what I'm thinking but, in my head. But the amount of beer is driven by consumers, right? Sure, so, sure, sure, sure. So, but you go to Mayentry and, and, you know, they've they've absolutely scaled all their beers up, but they still, do they still have that 15 barrel? Yeah, that it's, yeah, that's right, what I thought. They, yeah. they put it, they put and it I don't in know, the, I don't know which beers are brewed on which system and how that all breaks well, down. Well, I'm sure what they're doing I mean, this just has to be an assumption, but anything new that they're doing, they're doing on that 15 barrel or anything that they're doing in limited, limited quantities, they got to do on that 15 yeah. barrel just because, I mean, what is that? That's a three vessel, hundred barrel is their new, is their big brew house. So that's four, four vessels. Four vessels. So that's in, in a day, that's 400 barrels of beer. You know, for tanks, you can fill an 800 barrel tank in two days. Yeah, I, I imagine. And that's, I imagine that's just a 12 hour. That's two beers. 12 hour days, right? So, <coughs> so that's the stuff you really have to make sure you dial in if you're if you're scaling up that big. Now, yeah. if you're staying small like us, you know, and I'm going to tell you, we are looking at actually expanding our brew house. 100 barrel brew house. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It would fill half of your brewery. <laughs> no, it's. Um, we're actually looking at, and, and it's maybe the dumbest decision I'm on the cusp of, of deciding on, but turning our four or two vessel five barrel into a four vessel five barrel. Okay. So the idea there is that you can make twenty barrels and and or forty barrels in two days if you, mm-hmm. if you chose to. I think that's right. I, I'm not thinking straight in that. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a vessel. So in twelve hours we can turn we can turn twenty barrels. Um, right now we're turning. At our best, ten barrels in fourteen hours. So, just to give you an idea, if, if we're doing like one of our our triple batch tanks here, these fifteen barrel tanks, right. it takes us fourteen hours to fill it one day, and then we come in the next day and brew one batch, and we are spent. So the four bear, the four vessel, and I mean, I know I'm kind of getting technical on all this crap too, but but you're taking. If I can explain it in like I was a dummy because you know I'm good at pretending i'm a dummy if you were taking uh there within the vessels that you have there's different stages that are happening in there different things and if you add a couple vessels instead of leaving it in that same spot and doing two different things you can do one thing and then move it somewhere else to do the second thing while you put something else in there to do that first right so you have uh, by the end of your look how good i did you did you did i'm like a scientist (laughs) exactly (laughs) so but but you can even start two at the same time if you chose to, right? right? Which, which I don't know why you would, but you could. Um, but the advantage is, that, is seems, that that seems like a lot. It, it does, but but you're moving product the whole time. You're not waiting for one product to be right. almost completely done before you can start. And right now we're at a point where I think into our boil we can bring. That's like in, trying to make your scrambled eggs and your bacon at the same time on two different burners. It's yeah. not fun. Well, but but with with having the vessels, you have Bacon one first, vessel. Then yeah. Eggs. yeah, I agree with that too. Because <laughs> uh, your eggs co- cool a lot quicker than bacon does. Yeah. And then you get all that good grease in there. <laughs> Somehow that relates to beer. But, 
Well, kegs and eggs, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but then, uh, I don't know. So th- that's one thing that we're considering right now. And that that's, you know, we're looking at, and, and I'm not, I haven't been really shy about it. We're looking at a location in Lexington, uh, just a tap room, you know, we're not right. looking for any more. I, I kind of feel like Lexington's a good market for us, though. Yeah. Um, there's not, it's not very saturated at all. We are looking north of Cincinnati. I'm not going to go into too much into hmm. that, but, um, you know, we 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 feel like if we go into downtown Cincinnati or anything like that, we've got too much competition as is, and and your rent and everything that you're going to be paying on anything right. you go into is going to be an arm and a leg, and with all that competition around us, is that going to be, you know, for us to have like our kind of I don't know what you call it, our brand of tap room here, which is... I think that's a problem with Cincinnati right now, is that like there aren't a lot of brands that it would make sense for them to exist in downtown Cincinnati, which I think, as we saw with Taft's leaving... That like we're gonna that's that's where I think we're gonna run into another problem soon is yeah. that if you come to visit Cincinnati and you're downtown it's like where should I go to drink it's like yeah, there's only a couple places like you gotta you gotta go you gotta go around well I mean there are great places in the city but so so with TAFs let me let me ask you this mm-hmm. and this is just you know Madtree put a location downtown yeah um, Ryan guys so, has their location Madtree put. The alcove downtown, which yeah. is not a brewery or even a tap room, it's a it, restaurant. I thought it was kind of more of a. It's tap a restaurant. Room. Okay, well they've got the alcove down there mm. though. Uh, you've got Braxton down, or not Braxton? Well, you do have you Braxton, Braxton down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, you've got Braxton North. Then you've got um, you've got Rheingeist, Northern Row, Northern Row, and I'm missing one other one here that I wanted to mention. Uh, March first is on the on the square. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the other one. So, and those are all. A little bit more in friendlier parts of town, right? And I'm not trying to say I don't know. But OTR's really changed around and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say anything bad, but TAFs was a little bit off the beaten path of OTR. No, not not eh. that not when maybe maybe when they opened. Eh, but they not still now. Are, though. I mean, still we, right off of Washington Park. Like that's that's yeah, I, I would say depending on where you park, it's a lot sketchier going to Northern Row sometimes than it yeah. is Taft. Yeah, yeah, I think it depends on where you park there, though. But you have better parking options over by Northern That's Row. Free parking, guys. I don't know if anybody realizes this, and maybe I'm letting out some secrets. But once you get above a certain point, and it's probably what Liberty. Yeah, I think there's a lot of free parking in ODR. <laughs> just note that. He's it's, back there. You could go on back there. It's uh, street parking, and uh, again. Sometimes at night, uh, it might seem. A little, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's not bad. I've never had an issue. I've never had I, an issue, and I've. I've I haven't I've had an issue since I was twenty years old yeah. down there. You know, and I'm not trying to say. Oh, Sinbev is there too. We got to yeah, count them, even though they yeah. don't have a tap room. But um, I, I guess my thing is, is that you know, Vine Street, I guess, is kind of where most of the stuff's happening. You know, mm-hmm. like that's where a lot of the nicer restaurants are down at down in OGR. Vine, Vine and Race, I think. Yeah, yeah, like that yeah I'd say Race, and then um, maybe even maybe even Maine a little bit. Mm-hmm. But TFs is kind of a block. You know, you're getting closer to to Liberty with TFs, and and it's it's kind of I don't want to say it's off the beaten path, but it's it's not as it doesn't have as much going on around it. Right. So so you're asking people to walk. Yep. Up, up the road a little bit from it when you've got Rheingeist a lot closer and then you've got all these like places that serve yeah. 
all these other beers, you know. And and I just wonder if if that's what happened with Taft. So they got squeezed a little bit with these other other craft breweries opening up around them. They spent all this money making that church just beautiful, and I mean they yeah. did a great job with it too. And for them to walk away from that, you just have to wonder, you know, what was what what made that decision? And it's a very I think Taft is a very complicated one because there's yeah. a whole other side to their business that I think people aren't really understanding, and like it just yeah. it's they're 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 a weird beast within this city. They are too, and it, but you know they had they had really good food there. Mm-hmm. They had their pilot system there. Um, so just a absolutely it, beautiful brew pub. But I, I just think it was it was too far off where people are comfortable going and over the Rhine. And I don't mean danger wise. I, I just kind of think, well, if I'm going to be down here, I'm going to be where I can walk to all this right. other stuff. And if I have to, but how many people are hanging out somewhere else and then walking over to Rheingeist? Like I don't, I don't think that's yeah, happening. But, but what I've kind of noticed with Rheingeist is people who are going there are either going or starting there or they're hopping on uh, the, yeah, the street ra- car street, street cars car. right for you yeah and but the street car is there by tafs too isn't it yeah it goes by all of them yeah but it just but or it's across least, the street at least I pretty guess. close to all of them <laughs> i don't know I, what I the problem know. is I, I i think the problem is much much more uh complicated than just any of that yeah but but i do wonder if that was part of the the problem was is that they just weren't getting the foot traffic they were getting maybe uh, and I, I can tell you, we did an employee outing over the summer there. We started. At Taft's? Uh, we started in yeah. We started at TFs. Did you go we, upstairs or downstairs? They do, they only sat us upstairs because downstairs yeah. they had closed off. Yes, yeah, there, so there were five people in there. I can and I I love Taft's. Let me let, let me make that clear. I went to Taft's one time and was told that you can't sit downstairs unless you're gambling. What? It was a sports book. It was like a little gambling hall. <laughs> <laughs> like the speakeasy thing that they had. Yeah, yeah, Nelly's. Yeah, yeah. It was, which is fine. I love, I love gambling on sports, but uh, <laughs> you know what? Like it's that. Uh, I don't know that that's a cause as much as it is a reaction to other things that are going on. Well, but, but but what we were all surprised about is we were there at dinner time, and it was us and one other yeah. group of of people, and they had us on the. They didn't even have us on the main floor. They closed Upstairs, off the main like floor. The... They had us on the third floor, if you want to call it that. Um, and, you know, then then it was, we tried to, this before they, they announced closing or anything. Oh, we're out of that. We're out of this, you know. And, and okay, well, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't the beer. It was the food that they were out of, you know. And, and I was, okay, well, I get it. You know, this is kind of an off day. It was a Monday. So I, I do get that. Sure. But then we go walk over to to Vine, and we went to um, what's the arcade down there? Is it Arcade Legacy? Is that right? No. I think that no, no. Eight eight bit, eight bit, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, whatever. Yeah. I think it changed names, but uh, whatever. P- that, Pins is down there too. There's we, there's a bunch of places we down went, there. We went there, and then we went places. to. Um, now this is one that went out of business too, but they were packed. Uh, the one where it was like pour your own. Oh, copper and flame. Yeah, copper and flame. Yeah. We, we went there, and I, I kind of, I have a feeling about why that's gone too. But I, I don't want to. That's that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a big conversation there. But there was, <laughs> there were more drafts there than, I mean, the only other place I can compare that to is Sergio's World of Beers. Yeah, down in Louisville, and I don't know if you've ever been there. I but haven't, but. <laughs> 
we need to go there sometime. I mean, seriously. Yeah. That's a whole video within itself that I need to make one of these days. <laughs> it's just the experience, just finding the place. You're like, that can't possibly be. That's the guy. You go there and it's like, it feels like I'm going into somebody's house. You sure that's, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm going? Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We, we've yeah, seen I, some I need weird do stuff down there, but... <laughs> Oh my God. And, and I'm sure anybody who's been there knows exactly what I'm talking about because every time I've been there, it's been a new adventure. Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what's his name? He's now brewing, up. uh, um, uh, Nick Landers, who's now at, uh, do you know Nick at all? Uh, he's yes. At, he's at, um, more sort of, yeah, sort of, sort of know him. Yeah. He, he was, he used to brew down in Louisville at Gordon Biersch and, uh, him and I went there one night and he's like, I love it because every night he's like, I go here three times a week and every night it's a different adventure. Right. Cause you just, it's such an odd place, but it, it's also a place that's kind of on the honor system. So you go and you get your own beer and right. then at the end they're like, what did you get? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's all high. I shouldn't say it's all, but there's a lot of high ABV beer there. And then sometimes it's tough to remember you know, right. never mind try to be honest about it. It's just tough to remember. Like, what did I have again? We we got to a point where we just started keeping the bottles even when they came to collect them. So this way we knew right. at the end of the night, hey, this is what we got. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, uh, I, I need to make it down there so bad. <laughs> there's dude, there's so many places like that, though, that just have these unique personalities that... Just, it's hard to get to all the places when there's so much stuff happening. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's it's far away. I mean, it's it's Louisville, you know. It's you got to if you go down there, you got to plan to spend the night, you right. know, because that's the best time to be there is night. Um, but, anyways, where's that going? So that's what it was like. I mean, they had so many different drafts up there, and then they had draft cocktails upstairs, right? And in, you know, it was didn't have much food options or anything like that. But that place was packed when we when we got there. I mean. I want to say, you know, there were probably one or two tables open for, for a Monday. They were crowded. Right. Um, and half the businesses on, on Vine were closed and, and it was still a crowded area. You know, we went to the arcade. The arcade was a little bed, but it got real busy by the time we left. So, you know, it, it's not a, I mean, yes. When you start talking about further south in the city, there are less people there right now than probably there were pre-COVID. Yeah. I know there are, but like, there's not like a lack of people in the city of Cincinnati no. to support a business. No, it's but... More, it's always more complicated than that. There's more things that go into to play. Yeah, I, I just... And, and again, I'm not... We're, we're kind of being a dead horse talking about another business anyways, but I was just so shocked because... My dad and I went there prior to um, a concert one time. Tommy Emmanuel, you, are you familiar with who he yeah, is? Yeah. My, my dad was, was a big fan of him, and uh, we went, we both had tickets. We went down and we ate at Taps beforehand. And uh, I mean, that was like a Thursday night, and we couldn't, I mean, it was like a two hour wait. We were yeah. like, well, good thing we got here early, you know? Um, and then. You know, this is that was 2019, and then, you know, COVID definitely took a toll on everything. But, sure, and, and it changed the way people go out in general. I think, but yeah, I, I just 
I, I think just too many businesses built up on Vine and nothing else built up around them to really support them like like every the walk the foot traffic maybe I, maybe I'm wrong I, I don't, don't know I don't I just I don't know that it was ever foot traffic that was their customer base that's all it whatever was because where else you couldn't park there you had to walk <laughs> but you, there's a you can park right at Washington Park in that garage yeah, right yeah. underneath the park like so you if, could. if you were going down there for something. And you wanted to have dinner beforehand. That was an easy option. Yeah, like I, I agree. I, it's, I agree. It's, it's way more complicated than just foot traffic or anything. Like there's so many factors that go into this, and a big part of it is Taft's business plan. Like I think yeah. that 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 tap room just it was it was a lot of money to run that tap room, and anybody looking at a spreadsheet has to see some big anomaly happening right here. Yeah, and it's like even if even if ends are being met, like you see that, and it's like okay, if we shift all of this here how does this change the bigger picture it it's complicated well and i I also wonder if they competed with themselves with the saint bernard location maybe you know because because there were definitely people that i was seeing at their tap room that i now started seeing there on a regular basis at at the brewporium or whatever it's called so i you know it's it's very different experiences which i think helps um i think that's uh, important for any brewery that's building tap rooms that are relatively close to each other. You have yeah. to give people a reason to go to both. Right. Uh, when I want this, I go here. When I want that, I go there. And like that, I think that's hard for some places to kind of figure out. Yeah. I, I think Taft's did a good job with it, but that's, you know. I, I, I agree with you there. I agree that there, there was, they're two different, exper- completely yeah. different experiences. So I'm drink, sorry. We're beating a dead horse about let's, this. Let's drink this last beer. All right. So yeah. we're already over time. Uh, you know how will. the internet works. There's a very specific time you have to end a yeah, show. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're, I'm good at it. It's fine. Uh, this is uh, uh, Eon Pale Apocalypse. Yeah, Eon. It's named after a tool song. Okay. So the tool song is Eon Blue Apocalypse. And we gotcha. Eon Pale Apocalypse because it's a pale ale. Hoppy uh, pale ale. Four and a half percent. So this is like right in that solid session range. That, yeah. Uh, that. So I, I, I have probably said on the show many times that I tend to shy away from hoppy beers when I'm out drinking. That has nothing to do with hops. It has more to do with higher ABV beers right. that we we've, we've talked about that you love. Yeah. <laughs> they just they make it hard to go out and hang out and right. drink they for a, uh, a long period of time. Um, Especially somewhere far from your home, like down yeah. here. But you give me something that's four and a half percent and still uh, packs those flavors. I, I think it's right in my wheelhouse. I'm, I'm going to drink it. You tell Go me ahead. about the beer. So this was kind of uh, an idea that that our tap room supervisor, or front of the house supervisor, came up with. Um, he wanted uh, a session IPA, and I was, but he wanted a pale ale too. And, and I was like, well, why don't we do one or the other, and I'll make it a hoppy or pale ale. Um, yeah, and, I like that. And honestly, it turned out way hoppier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, we no dry hop in it whatsoever, so that's just strictly that's kettle good. hops. Yeah, it, it, everybody's been drinking it like like crazy down here, and I think it's going to have to become a mainstay. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's funny that the the styles that kind of come and go, and like people latch onto, and like that. Uh, people, uh, when they see them, they recognize them now. Like, oh, I, I you know, I, I want that. You know, kind of that same thing as, you know, uh, Pilsner, uh, American Light Lager, Domestic Lager, we want to call it, yeah. or Blonde Ale. And I think that uh, uh, I'm curious uh, the decision to just call it a pale ale and have it four and a half percent versus calling it like a session IPA or a session pale or something like that. I'm because I. 
I no, I, th- I think you're right with how this is listed right here on this paper because yeah. I think session IPA almost like pushes it's kind people of a turn off. It pushes yeah. people away now. Well, and, and it's it walks the line. I mean, it walks the line between the two styles between a session IPA and a pale ale. Right. But but it was designed to be a pale ale. I was not anticipating it. I mean, I I made it hoppy because. You know, we, we wanted it hoppy, but I didn't think it was going to get that hoppy. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's, it's a lot of late edition hops, which, you know, you will draw that much out of. But I didn't think we'd draw as much flavor as we did out of those hops. It's good beer. So it wound up being a little hoppier than we anticipated, a little bit more bitter than we anticipated. But it still doesn't have a very high IBU. Um, what is it at? 41. So that's not. I mean, our IPAs tend to be higher unless it's a New England. Yeah. So, you know, we were kind of like, well, let's, let's see if we can kind of experiment and get like a Sierra Nevada pale ale or something along those lines. And what we wound up with was kind of like somewhere between zombie dust and Sierra Nevada, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like a, well, Sierra Nevada just feels, tastes like a kind of throwback pale ale at this yeah. point. Like you taste it and I don't, I don't know what that is, but. Well, it's got um, that nice bitter bite to it, you know? And I, I feel like Eon Pale Apocalypse has that This too. tastes like a more modern version of a pale ale like that to me. Like it's, yeah. it's good. It still isn't. And, and obviously it's been sitting here for, for an hour. So temperature is not there, but <laughs> right. uh, it doesn't have like any of that kind of uh, bite to it. There's, there's not like a huge bitter kind of hit you in the face kind of thing, right. which you get from a lot of people trying to, even when you say session IPA, a lot of people try to still recreate some of that stuff. This is still a little, maybe a little bit, a little bit softer, a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit more drinkable. Well, see, We're allowed to still call things drinkable. That's kind know. of what I thought was the the problem with most session IPA IPAs in general was is that they added all the hops that they would add to a stronger IPA. Yeah, there's no but, balance, but they didn't it, yeah. dial no, it back no down to 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 make it balance with that ABV. Because when you take ingredients away because you're taking barley out of it right yep. or you're tra- you're taking barley and wheat or whatever else you're putting in it you're losing the, those fermentable grains so why wouldn't you lose bitterness too right. why would you still use the same amount of hops try to keep using? that balance as you kind of dial things back yeah. which yeah and, th- and that was that was one thing i was kind of noticing with them um, and and you know with the exception of like maybe all day ipa or something like that that, that was just something that i was like man that's super bitter why am i why, why would, why are they doing that? You know, like I'm in the middle of writing an article right now that, uh, I don't know when it's going to get done. So calm yourselves. Um, <laughs> that is about hop water because I'm fascinated by all these hop waters that are being put yeah. out. Like yeah. less so the ones that are like fruited, like uh 50 West, although that I'm definitely going to talk about that, but you know, the stuff like Braxton is doing with theirs that it's just fizzy water with hops. Yeah, and trying to find a way to make that still drinkable uh, is it fascinates me. <laughs> I, I had a, a bartender, Michael Schuler. Yeah, um, a lot of people know him if if you, especially home brewing around the town. Um, but Michael brought me a hop tea, mm-hmm. and that one over the hop waters, I, I I enjoyed. Now it had a little too much sweetness to it for me, but but it was it was good. Now, but that. That makes that makes complete sense to me that you can use the tea to kind of balance out the hops. Right. That's what's so crazy about hop water to me is that like I'm I'm trying to figure out how some of these places are well, using things like uh, like like salts and things like that to balance it out. It's see, I, it's, I just it's, don't know. It's fascinating me right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that article. It'll come soon. Um. So yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah. That's that's all the beer. <laughs> we, we drank all of the beer. They're yeah. out of beer. Um, <laughs> uh, is there anything that you want people to know about Alexandria that you think that they don't know? Benders. Benders. Oh, we didn't even talk about <laughs> the food. Uh, when he walked by earlier, I know you guys probably saw that on the camera. Uh, he smelled fantastic. He smelled like hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> It's is is it burger night tonight? Is that yeah? It's tonight's yeah, it's burger, burger night. It's burger night. That's um, why he's uh. So Sean Winebender. Um, some people might know who he is, but I don't know how many people would though. Used to be the uh, head chef for uh, Libby Southern Comfort yeah, he's, down in he's, he's kind of been around here locally at some really really incredible places. Yeah, yeah and, and this is his attempt to start his own thing. Um, and it's part of the reason we're we're looking at these other markets too, is, is they want to partner with us and look at other locations as well. Right. Um, their food, I mean, not to not to overhype it or anything like that, but I think in terms of brewery food, I think us and, and Nine Giant are, are and, and we got lucky. I mean, a hundred percent lucky. We don't we don't own uh, the food. It's uh, you didn't get lucky. You had to. You, it, took, well, we, it took some time to figure yeah, out that right partner. It did. I mean, this is our third food partner, but this is this is the one that works the best. And it, and it, I mean, he, he brings something special. It's Southern comfort style food. Um, they don't do things like nine giant does where they make their own ketchup, but they make all their other sauces themselves. Um, down here in Alexandria, we like, and I think he, I think he makes his own mayonnaise too, if I remember correctly. So he does, he does an Alabama white sauce though, uh, which is just spectacular. Um, not everything smoked, but a lot of it is, uh, but he, he takes staples and, and puts a fun twist to him. So like they've got a fried bologna sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is just, it's spectacular. I never thought I could like bologna that much again right. since I, <laughs> since I was a kid, you know, I mean, it, it's, God, it's good. My mouth is water. Talking about <laughs> but you know, he's got, um, pimento cheese balls. So it's like pimento fritters, I guess would probably be something to compare it to. Um, it's a really like, it's, it's hard to take, uh, food that is is comfortable for people, especially in a, an atmosphere like a brewery where people aren't afraid to order something. You don't want some kind of goose liver or something yeah. or other with you know, <laughs> like you you want something that is still like like drinking food. And yeah, he, he has found a really really good way to take that and 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 not give it any kind of pretentiousness. But when he hands it to you, it's just. <laughs> better it's just it's scaled up a little bit yeah. it's it just tastes better <laughs> than what uh uh what you might have been expecting so uh, and most of it is made from scratch they're actually getting ready to start doing their their own ranch from scratch too i mean right now is blue cheese dressing he makes from scratch obviously he's not making the blue cheese himself right. but he's making the dressing himself um mayonnaise uh all of his wing sauces all of his rubs everything like that it's all in-house the only thing that that he doesn't, and he he just hates ketchup in general. He's a mustard right. guy, so he doesn't make the ketchup himself. I'm all about that. I, I actually the only thing I really like ketchup on is fries. Yeah, and that, that's high. Well, they do tots though, and yep, I'm okay. That, with that's a fun argument that they get into with people. Is why don't you do fries? They're like, because we do tots. <laughs> I'll take tots over fries. That's yeah. fine. Um, but, and I'm okay with like barbecue sauce or mustard with my tots versus ketchup. I don't think yeah. tots need ketchup. No, I, I mean. I, I like it with ketchup. I like them without, you know, it doesn't matter. So anyways, they're awesome. Tonight's burger night. Wednesday nights are wing Wednesdays where they do $5, $5 for six wings. Yeah. It's if you haven't eaten here, 
uh, come down here for the food and have a bunch of beer while you're here. Yeah, <laughs> it'll soak like, it up. <laughs> like it's, it's it is really really good food, and um, I will put links in the show notes to uh, to everything for you guys to learn more about all of the places down here. Andy, thank you, buddy. Hey, thank you, man. Um, I appreciate Good seeing you. Again. I, yeah, I appreciate you making some time for me, and um, um, everything's tasting great. Thank you. Uh, except trying. for except for that one and that one and that one. It was all terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. It's all good. It's, it's really good. This is one of my favorite breweries in the city, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. The beer is great. The uh, uh, the soul of craft beer is still alive here, which sometimes gets lost to other places, and that. I appreciate more than I can put into words. It's uh, still a craft brewery. Yeah, we I, try. I, I love I, it. I like craft beer, so I hope it's always a craft brewery. <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. It's uh, that that word in itself is is complicated, but. Um, yeah. You guys, you guys are doing it right. So, uh, thank, well, thank you. you. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, if anybody um, doesn't already subscribe to the show, do that. Share it with a friend. And um, if you really, really want to help, you can go to the gnarlygnome.com slash support, and you can help that way. Or if you're a local business and you want to support, you can sponsor the show. We're getting ready to dive into Season 10 of the show, and uh, we're, we're looking for sponsors for Season 10. Um, so reach out to me. Uh, let's say sponsor at cincybrewcast.com. I think that's an email address. Send an email to that, and we can, uh, we can make it work. If not, uh, um, just, like I said, share with a friend. Cheers, everybody. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>